On today's show, we have Atlanta Hawks sneak out with a win in Las Vegas in Game 4, improving to 3-1. and one. We'll touch on all of what transpired in that game and more on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1521 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Thursday afternoon slash evening here in Las Vegas. And thank you for joining us as always on this podcast. Make it your first listen here on Lockdown Hawks each and every day. Please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you find your podcast, places like Apple and Spotify, YouTube on the video side, etc. If you are watching on YouTube or listening, you might be aware, hopefully not, but uh, you might be, that I'm experiencing internet challenges. I'm in a different place than I was previously, so thoughts and prayers for that. I'm recording most of this podcast offline, a couple different areas online. So piecing it all together, hopefully you will be patient and understanding of all of that. But I am still here in the desert, and that is because the Atlanta Hawks played this afternoon, winning 99-98 over the Philadelphia 76ers in a pretty thrilling ending to a game. It was not the best played game I've ever seen in my life by any means, but the fourth quarter was actually a lot of fun. Kobe Bufkin made a ton of plays down the stretch, which is obviously what you want to see from your first-round draft pick if you were on the Hawks. And now the Hawks, again, kind of stole this one, escaped with the victory. And as always, we'll get into all of the, what transpired in this contest. I'll just say now, probably a little bit uh, shorter podcast than it has been the last few days because basically nothing else has happened outside of the Summer League game. Um, all the rumors are still in play. All the rumblings still happening around Pascal Siakam and whatever else, but no further developments that I can report at this point in time. Nothing nationally that's happened in the last 24 hours. So if there's an emergency podcast, I will definitely be uh, willing and able to jump in and talk about all of that later on. But for now, it is the status quo on that front. I definitely encourage you to listen to all of the previous episodes talking about Siakam and Bruno Fernando's guarantee from yesterday, all that fun stuff as well. And we'll get into all that later on. Okay. Now, to the game itself. And again, as I said before, 99-98 win for the Hawks narrowly in this one. They were down for the majority of the game. Down 14-6 in the, in the early going before even the first timeout happened. The other real positive in that first stretch was a nice catch-and-shoot three from Muhammad Gay in the corner. But um, other than that kind of let-it-fly attempt from Gay, defensively it was pretty rough. Philly had five or six layups before the first stoppage. They made their first seven two-point attempts in this game. It was better after that. Kobe Bufkin drew a charge, had a nice pick-and-roll pass to uh, Fiano Cavangele, who found Steph Lenny for a three. Uh, but other than that, it was kind of just like hit and miss early on in this one. Seth Lundy was the first guy in off the bench mid-quarter in this one after having the same starters as yesterday. If you missed it, by the way, A.J. Griffin did not play. He is done for Summer League, which I reported on Wednesday. He was still in Vegas cheering on his teammates, but not going to be playing anymore. Everybody else, though, was available in this one. Uh, elsewhere on the rotation side, Brady Manick played after not playing on Wednesday. Eve Pons made a couple appearances after he had not played since the opener. Actually had a dunk pretty fast on a nice pass by Bufkin in the first half. And Jarkel Joyner was actually at the backup guard spot after it was Tysi Etienne on Wednesday. Then Miles Norris and also Plopchich played in the, in the second quarter as well. So they played 11 guys in this game and uh, kind of typical summer league stuff, but nothing out of the ordinary too much. Um, the Hawks didn't make a nice run at the end of the first quarter. Ball move was, uh, was certainly much better, much, much improved from the first few minutes of this game. A nice pass by Lundy, actually, to V. Krejci for a three. Brady May had a dunk when the Sixers blew a trap, so they were much better in that stretch. Got back within one after being down the whole first quarter. They attempted 12 threes in the first quarter, and that kind of led, at least in part, to the Hawks taking 41 in the game. So they've been bombs away in every game in Summer League, all four games, at least 33 attempts. Love to see that. 
Um, a good start from Kobe Bufkin in the second quarter. He had his first bucket um, sort of of the quarter on a nice drive and uh, driving floater or so, and actually a nice block on the other end of the floor in the second quarter. Other than that, though, it was pretty ugly basketball in the second quarter, especially for the Hawks. They went up by seven at the halftime break. Um, the Hawks shot seven of 21 on twos and had two free throw attempts in the entire first half. So pretty rough stuff other than three-point range uh, attempts. They didn't turn the ball over much at all in the second half, which is definitely part of the reason why they won this game. But in the first half, it was pretty rough. I will say I'll attribute a lot of positivity to the likes of Seth Lundy and Miles Norris, who both played very well off the bench. It was really the bench that kind of led most of the runs for the Hawks in this contest. Uh, but still, you know, a lot going on with this game, but nothing necessarily jumping off the page with regard to like individual play in that first half, aside from the bench where, again, Lundy and Norris were kind of leading the way for the most part. Um, we'll touch on the second half right now uh, before we get to the player stuff at the end of the podcast, but um, Muhammad Gay had a pretty, a pretty big block in the third quarter, actually opened things up. Um, Calvin Gelle got into a back and forth with Greg Brown from Philly. I'll say this right now, there were a lot of chippy moments in the second half of this game, like way more than a typical summer league allotment of like physicality and technical fouls and chirping, all that stuff. Brought got technical foul against Calvin Gelle. They're going at it. Calvin Gelle actually had a driving layup from the wing. That was kind of funny to watch from a center, but uh, it was a nice play from him. The Hawks took a lead very briefly at the end of the third quarter on a, on a three by Lundy, but then from there, it was actually all Philly for a while, a 13-1 to run. So the Hawks played very well in the second half of this game, with the exception of that one middle stretch where Philly kind of dominated things. Again, it got spicy after that. The Philly guys were talking quite a bit of trash, I would say, from some league standards, as they both lead a couple technical fouls. The Hawks actually had a nice response, led again by Lundy, Norris, and Jarkel Joyner. Technical foul from him as well. A 9-1 to run to force a timeout. And then Bufkin got going after that. So Bufkin had a nice drive and finish off the glass to bring the Hawks back within one with about four minutes to go. And then Lundy hit a very heavily contested three for the lead with about 3.20 left. He actually wanted a foul call, and unfortunately for him, he was actually called for a flopping technical foul, the new rule that's now in place uh, that they're uh, kind of testing in Summer League. But he was called for that instead. The Hawks closed the game with Brady Manick playing center, trying to play a little bit better on offense. That was definitely effective on that end of the floor. But it was a lot of whistles as well. The Hawks had called for seven fouls in two minutes at one point in the fourth quarter, which is pretty remarkable, honestly, to watch. Just kind of lots of start, stops and starts. And then there was some actual drama at the end of this contest. I will get to that in a second. I promise you we'll talk about the last three minutes of this game because it was a lot of back and forth, honestly, at the end of this one. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's very easy to accomplish everything everyone actually needs from you and never actually take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. I'm guilty of this for sure. I'm just juggling a million different things when it comes to work, family commitments, etc. When you spend all your time giving, though, it sometimes can leave you stretched pretty thin or even burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life, and part of that is being able to support others without leaving yourself behind. Therapy is exceptionally helpful when it comes to learning coping skills or even setting boundaries. It can also help you to be the best version of yourself. If you thought about giving therapy a try at any different point, I definitely recommend giving BetterHelp that try. It's entirely online. This is how to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to actually do is follow up with a questionnaire, and they'll be matching you with a licensed therapist immediately. If you want to change therapists, you can actually do that with no charge to BetterHelp as well. Find more balance today by using BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. That is BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on NBA. 
Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is fantastic, bringing fit, comfort, and versatility to the table with their products. I feel great and comfortable in my own skin when I wear my Bird Dogs gear and Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the leg and the thigh to give you that sculpted look that you might be seeking. They fit much better than regular shorts. They haven't been made that stiff or restricting cotton that you might be familiar with. And Bird Dogs also fixes that issue by inventing their cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but also stretches, giving you that slimmer fit without having to sacrifice anything with regard to your comfort or your movement. They also use anti-sweat-wicking fabric to keep you cool and dry all day long and in the end bird dogs makes awesome products you're actually going to check, check out all of them recommend really across the board with bird dogs and you can find it all at birddogs.com slash locked on nba when you get there enter that promo code locked on nba and if you use that code they will throw in a free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler with each and every order with bird dogs one more time check out birddogs.com slash locked on nba all right, so I teased it a little bit before the break, but uh, lots of drama back and forth at the end of this game and like way more like kind of play-by-play stuff than summer league game usually. Antonio Lang challenged a play with about two minutes to go. Uh, Muhammad Gay actually missed an open three that would put the Hawks up by four, and it was basically a one-point game both ways for the entirety of crunch time. Gay had a nice block when the Hawks were up by one, but after that, he, got, he actually fouled at the rim. Philly made both their free throws to go up by one. Then Bufkin scored with 112 to go to retake the lead. A nice play by Kobe, who's very under control in this latter stages of the game. Then the Hawks fouled again, and Jaden Springer gave Philly a, a lead with 50, 58 seconds to go up by one again. Then Bufkin had probably the pass of the day, a great bounce pass slip to Gay, um, just run, run, into, run on target for a dunk to actually give the Hawks the lead again. And Brady Manning got called for a foul on defense. Also got hit in the region of his body that causes quite a bit of pain. He was definitely in a lot of agony, screaming right in front of me as they went into a timeout. But he was able to stay in the game. Philly made the free throws, but then the Hawks had one more chance to take the lead again. And it was Kobe Bufkin, once again, for the lead with 12 seconds to go. Very near control, got, got to his spot and finished. After the game, he talked about the fact that he was just trying to stay level and trying to stay calm. Um, get, you know, definitely praised the sort of intensity of the game itself. But the fact that um, he, he and Antonio Lang and others, Seth Lundy, talked about how like level and mature the Hawks were in this game. I would agree. Philly was definitely uh, pretty active and getting sort of into the Hawks. But once the Hawks turned the switch in the fourth quarter, they were the more under control, more measured, more mature team that ended up kind of being big. And the Hawks got the stop at the very, very end of the game to steal the buzzer. So basically, the last three buckets of the game were Bufkin scoring, Bufkin having, again, the pass of the day to Muhammad Gay, and then Bufkin scoring again for the win, basically. So it was a nice end to the game for Kobe Bufkin, who wasn't like incredible before that, but certainly played well, and uh, you love to see your, your number one guy make plays. But in the second half, I think the Hawks had three turnovers. They scored 56 points in 20 minutes. They were much better from two-point range. They got to the line 10 times. They had a bunch of assists. They had 25 assists to 11 turnovers in this game. That's a really good ratio for Summer League in particular, more than 2-1. to one. And, uh, you know, five guys in double figures in this game. Every single guy that played, all 11 of them, scored at least two points. Nine guys scored at least six points. So it was really balanced across the board and a pretty impressive performance on the whole, especially in the second half. In the end, the Hawks actually were 24 of 43 on twos, which is totally fine. 34% on threes. Again, uh, not a great number, but certainly took a lot of them in a responsible fashion. 15 offensive rebounds is a very good number, especially compared to one for the Sixers. The Hawks dominated the glass in this game, and that was a, a, pretty, a pretty big factor in the Hawks winning the game. Um, turnover battle, they were actually kind of dead even, but had more assists than the Sixers did in this game. And again, the Hawks just made the plays they had to make down the stretch. Like, it wasn't like Philly was this sort of juggernaut of a team, but the Hawks had nice moments along the way. Um, to the player stuff before we get out of here on this fine podcast. Um, basically, 
it was not anyone like in particularly dominating, but the bench was much better. So Ali with Seth Lundy, who I talked about yesterday extensively, he was very good in this game. 16 points in 27 minutes. Actually played more than anybody else did on the whole roster. Only 2 of 4 on 2s, but 4 of 11 from 3. 8 rebounds, 4 assists, no turnovers. He did have 6 fouls, but other than that, it was a plus 12. He was probably the best player for the Hawks for large portions of his game. Again, a 4-year guy, known as a shooter. I kind of asked him after the game. I don't have the audio for you here because of the way I'm recording this podcast, but basically, I asked uh, Lundy after the game kind of about a 3-point shooting and his quick trigger and the green light, and he said, he said, and I quote, that's my job, end quote. It was a longer answer than that, but it was certainly interesting to kind of hear him say, look, I said this before, there's a very clear path to Seth Lundy being an NBA player because he understands his role, understands the assignment, basically, is what I would say, is that he is a shooter. And he can do more than that, but as long as he defends at an adequate level and could be a high 33-point shooter on high volume, there's a, there's a role in the league for that guy, even in the second round. So I thought he played very well in this game. Other guys that played well, I thought Brady Manick was good off the bench, 13.6 rebounds. Obviously not quite on the same like roster level as the other guys, but he was effective offensively and was on the floor down the stretch when they were closing with an offense-first lineup. And then Miles Norris, who I talked about for the game as well, 12 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 5-7 uh, from the floor, 2-3 from 3. Didn't play a ton of minutes, but played 14 minutes and played well, I thought. He's, of course, on a two-way contract out of UC, UC Santa Barbara, played at Oregon before that. He said basically he just wants to come in and compete, and he's excited to be back in Atlanta uh, at, at the end of this and just wants to be, kind of do what they're asking him to do and just kind of make the little plays. And I think that's what he's been doing. He's playing like an older guy. And he's not super old, but certainly you know a four-year guy in college and played well in this game, just making winning plays is what I would say. Um, the rest of the bench guys were not quite as impressive. Uh, Jordan actually made one big play late at six points in 16 minutes. Eve Pons was kind of quiet in eight minutes. And then Plotchich, I thought, actually struggled pretty badly, honestly. But uh, he's not going to be, I don't think, in line to make the roster anyway. But then the five guys in the starting lineup, Calvin Gelly was pretty quiet, 13 minutes. They actually played three different centers for at least 10 minutes each um, at, this, at, at that spot because they went with Manic at center to close the game. Um, the rest of the kind of the big name guys were kind of quiet in this one. Mo Gay, kind of similar as he's been the entire way in that there was some flash plays for sure, a couple of blocks, um, some really encouraging stuff, made two threes, and him letting it fly is what they've been trying to get him to do all week long, and he has been for the most part. Ten points, but he wasn't great. Um, Tyrese Martin, after a big game, uh, yesterday, did not have a huge game in this one. Had 10 points in 15 minutes, actually played a lot less because he was kind of less effective, I thought, just not making the, the quick decisions that he was making yesterday. Wasn't getting the same separation and didn't shoot it as well, but still, still made two threes in this one. Um, and then V. Krejci, after a really good game yesterday, was not quite as good today, I didn't think. Did have five assists, which was uh, actually second on the team to Bufkin. Six points. I will say about Veet, who I like quite a bit, he makes the right play a lot, but defensively, he was, I thought, pretty rough in this game. Not that Everybody wasn't great either, but I think because he's a guy that you're holding to a higher standard as he battles for a roster spot, they need him to be better defensively, and he was not particularly good on that end of the floor in this one. And then, Kobe Bufkin at the end. It was kind of funny. Um, you know, I, th these, I think this is, for the most part, some outlier stuff, but I got some pretty negative comments from fans on Twitter during the game, in the first half in particular, about Bufkin. There's a segment of the, of the, of the fan base that's been pointing to his lack of efficiency in summer league, and kind of, I, I would say, strongly overreacting to his play. I don't think he's been great this week, which, I, which I've said multiple times on the podcast, but I think there have been enough flashes where you kind of see what you want to see and need, what, what you kind of need to see. Also, the coaching staff, both on and off record, has been very, very praise, uh, sort of praiseworthy of Bufkin. I think after the game today, uh, I tweeted out a quote earlier from Antonio Lang, but he was very, very upbeat about um, the way that Kobe played in this game, and I think there's not really any reason to be particularly worried about Kobe Bufkin at this point in time. I'm going to read the quote to you now, actually. I wish I had the audio, but I'll pass this along here. 
from it from Lang on Buffkin. Quote, he's just tough, smart. You can tell his upbringing was done the right way. He's played big-time basketball, and he also said defensively he did a good job late, and then we put the ball in his hands at the end. He made some really good plays at the end, which certainly was true. He kind of rose up. He talked about how just kind of staying level, making the right plays. All of that is certainly appropriate for Buffkin at this point in time. But he, you know, he's, no one's saying he's a finished product, because he's not. I think he's going to have to get stronger, which I've been saying since the draft. Um, he's That's not a secret. They all know that. The Hawks know that. He's got to get stronger, more physical. He'll have to be a little bit better efficiency-wise. Cut, cut, cut down on the turnovers. Defensively, same thing, but he had some nice moments in this game overall. And, like, I wasn't comparing him to Troy Young in terms of, like, the expectations coming in, but I was just making a comment during the game, like, you would think that a fan base like the Hawks, who went through this whole thing five years ago with Troy Young, where, like, everyone nationally in the world decided Troy Young was a bust in Summer League, which is just, it was insane then, and I said that on this podcast. He, he wasn't good in Salt Lake City, for sure, back, this is five years ago, but... Cody Bufkin doesn't have to be Trey Young, and he probably won't be Trey Young. Trey Young's a star, and with a Bufkin probably won't be. But, like, you would think this fan base in particular wouldn't overreact, but that's kind of also the nature of Summer League. So, I, I think too high on some things that happen in Summer League. Like, I think the first, gay, the first game, the Muhammad Gay hype train kind of flew, off, flew out of the station, let's just say. And I think Bufkin's negativity on some corners of the fan base has been a little bit strong. But, look, I think he looks fine. I think he's going to be a pretty valuable player long-term. I'll be the first to say also... As a rookie, you should keep expectations pretty low for almost anyone, and that definitely applies to Bufkin, it applies to Lundy, it applies to Mohamed Gay, Miles Norris. Like, rookies, most of the time, are not good, especially when they're 19-year-old skinny guards. That's not usually a profile that translates particularly well immediately from college to the NBA. So keep that in mind for Bufkin. I've been saying the whole time, I wouldn't expect him to be in a rotation opening night, if I had to guess, and that's still the case now. But I think the flashes of what you want to see, the feel for the game, the unselfishness, the passing, it's all it's all kind of been there. His finishing has not been great so far, but he had a couple of nice finishes in the fourth quarter of this game. And again, in college, he was really, really good in that area, so I'm not really worried about that either. So anyway, a lot to say there about Bufkin at the end of the podcast, but he was definitely the hero down the stretch. He was not the only guy who played well by any means. The Hawks had a nice collective effort. Again, I think the bench was really strong, particularly Lundy, Norris, Manick in this one. But Bufkin, Bufkin kind of brought them home at the end, which was certainly a nice fitting way to end the four games that are actually scheduled for the Hawks in Las Vegas. Now, if you've missed it before, we don't know when the Hawks will play again, but they will play at least one more time. There is a chance... Although it's not particularly likely but it's, uh, by the math that I'm doing, but I think it's, there is a chance that the Hawks could finish in the top four if they get some help the rest of today and into tomorrow. Um, if that happens, the top four teams actually go to the mini tournament where they'll play one more game in the semifinals and then one extra game in the finals on Monday. So the Hawks could play as many as six games. Uh, more likely, they play one more game, probably Saturday, um, could be Sunday, but we'll see. We will not know that time or that opponent until late on Friday because Friday is a full schedule of games already in Las Vegas. So the Hawks are off on Friday either way, and they'll be back in action at least one more time over the weekend. So stay tuned for all of that. I will have a podcast sometime over the weekend to break that down. There's a chance that they're playing at a time where I'm not able to watch live, all that fun stuff, but stay tuned for all of that. I will have a podcast by the end of the weekend on whatever the Hawks do the rest of the time in Summer League. If there's Mercy Podcasts or anything like that, I will jump into the mix whenever I possibly can as well. But there you go on this shortened, abbreviated version of the podcast. Please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Spotify, Apple, uh, YouTube as well on the video side. Subscribe multiple times if you enjoy the show. All the download the podcast. All that fun stuff to help us juice the numbers, ratings, and reviews. Also very nice as well. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BTRoland. And with all of that said, we'll see you all next time.